how do I know if my prayers are selfish? I think one of the most profound truths that God showed me in the midst of the craziness that was 2020 was the difference between praying for my kingdom to come and his. This is the discussion we're having on today's show. I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend. Prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey, all are welcome here. Let's get started. Do you ever feel like you're on an emotional roller coaster? Like the circumstances of your life make it almost impossible to live in a state of consistent peace? Jesus warned us in John 16, 33, that his followers could expect to have trouble in this life. But the good news is that he left us his peace. Not peace like the world gives, but peace that surpasses our ability to understand where it came from. You can have that kind of peace. And in the newest prayer journal for Million Praying Moms, you'll learn how. Everyday Prayers for Peace is available for pre-order now. Purchase your copy just in time for the holiday season or visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com to download the first day's devotion and prayer absolutely free. Before we dive in, I want to say a big hey to Stacey Thacker joining us from sunny Florida today. How are things, my friend? Hello, Brooke. Um, things are good in Florida. The weather recently has taken just a a lovely turn here in Florida. How about you? How are your beautiful mountains this time of year? They're beautiful. They're beautiful. We've had... Yes. We've had a couple weeks of like kind of random weather where it's really cold. We've had some like 30 degree mornings and, you know, we've had our first couple good frosts. But then like today, when we're recording this today, it's really warm. It's supposed to be 72. So fall in Virginia, at least in my part of Virginia, is very fickle and you don't know exactly what you're going to get, but the leaves are for sure gorgeous. And you know, I'm in heaven about that. Yeah. Happy place. Mm -hmm. Happy place. Well, enjoy. Enjoy for me because I miss that. That's probably the one thing I miss (laughs) living in the Midwest is the change into fall. I don't know if I really miss anything else. I was going to say, like, I I wonder (laughs) if you miss the fall more than you'd like being close to the beach. Oh, that's a tough one. (laughs) That's tough. Here's the the great equalizers. The beach is always there and fall is just one time a year. So if I just plan it right, ha ha ha, I could go visit. You're right. You're right. We'll work on that next year. So, well, we get to talk today, Brooke. I'm so excited. I love doing this and I'd love to just dive into our conversation right off the top. We're answering the question, how do we know if our prayers are selfish? Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess that's just a fantastic question. That's something that I really did dive into a lot 
in 2020 when I was looking specifically at the Lord's Prayer. We're going to get into that. But I think one of the biggest signs that my prayers are more what I would call me-focused or selfish than God-focused is when I get fussy because God doesn't answer them the way I think He should. And we talked about that last week. So guys, if you missed that whole conversation, I would encourage you to go back and tune in because we really dove into that deeply. But in Gospel-Centered Mom, a book I wrote a long time ago now, I talk about the difference between what I call the me gospel and the true gospel. At its core, the me gospel persuades us to worship ourselves instead of God, like to believe that God exists for Brooke instead of Brooke exists for God. So anything that makes much of me or my life or my needs while diminishing God and his role in those things and his greater purpose for those things is what I would call the me gospel. This is so important. I'm really glad this is one of the first prayer questions we're tackling. This is also a tiny bit, well, or more than a tiny bit painful, but I think it's really important. And I'm I'm so grateful you're going first and being honest with us. I love your perspective on me gospel versus true gospel. So keep talking. I want to hear more. Right. So I did study the Lord's Prayer during um, the 2020 pandemic when we were all stuck at home. And, you know, I had read the Lord's Prayer. Well, I mean, I'd memorized it as a kid, probably in vacation Bible school about the same time that I memorized the, you know, the 23rd Psalm. I, I have had it memorized my whole life. I have said it and, you know, prayed it corporately together with other believers in church services probably hundreds of times when I was growing up. And and I know what it says, right? Like I know what the words are of this prayer, but I had probably never studied it before in depth. And so one of the things that I noticed right away was that God is asking us to pray for his kingdom to come. Probably, and I'm just confessing this, probably over half the time when I pray, I'm asking God to build my kingdom. Like things that I want or feel like I need or that would make my life easier somehow. And I want to be clear in saying that it's not wrong for us to ask God for what we need. The other part of that prayer is that God does say to ask him for our daily bread, right? He knows that we need him. He knows that we have need of things. And so it's not wrong for us to ask him for what we need as long as we remember that God is about the business of building his kingdom, not ours. So Stacey, you and I together have a love for Elizabeth Elliot. We both love her. I actually have that string or that attachment with several uh, several other friends as well. There's a lot of people in the world that love Elizabeth Elliot. But in case you don't know, in case you're listening today and you don't know who Elizabeth Elliot was, she and her husband Jim, together with four other couples, were missionaries to the Aka Indians who were an extremely violent, like completely unreached people group in Ecuador. And so all of these couples, five couples, were at this little base camp in Ecuador that they had put together. And they had spent months and months prepping and praying and making little small points of contact with the Aka Indians. And the five men of the group, Jim, Pete Fleming, Nate Saint, Roger Udarian, and Ed McCulley, landed their small plane one day after all these months of preparation. They were thinking, 
feeling led of the Lord, like the time is now. So they landed their small plane near the Kareri River. And their hope for that day was that they would be able to share the gospel. Like that's the day they wanted to start sharing the gospel with those men of the tribe. And instead, all five of the men were speared to death by the men of those tribes. Now, I know because I have read a lot of Elizabeth Elliot's words. I have read her words. I have read Jim's words. I've read other people's words about the accounts of that that led up to that day and even after that day. And so I know that that trip for them, that final trip where they felt like this is the day that we're going to go and share the Lord with these people. I know that it was covered in prayer. And I know that the men believed that they were firmly in God's will in doing that. I also know that all five of those wives were praying diligently for God to protect their husbands that day. Several of them, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot included, had young children that they wanted to see grow up. They wanted to, you know, they wanted their fathers to, to, to see them grow up. The fathers wanted to see their children grow up. And yet, despite their very pure pleas for God to protect, he said no. The answer to their prayers in this very pure and godly and biblical journey or, or step of faith was no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, their story grips me. And it's hard to argue from our perspective because we see what's happened kind of on the other side and the fruit that God's brought from that. But in real time, I think what hits me when I think about their story and Elizabeth talking about thy will be done is that I really like my version of my kingdom. I like Stacy's kingdom a whole lot and I, I want to see it happen. I mean, I think everyone feels that way. I just really like my kingdom. So tell me more about how Elizabeth processes this through the lens of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. So I had the opportunity when I was studying the Lord's Prayer, there is like a wealth of teaching from Elizabeth Elliot online. Now she passed away several years ago and her her husband and I'm sure a whole team of other people have done a phenomenal job of putting her teachings online. And we will link to all of this in the show notes. So if you guys want to go and listen to it for yourself, I highly recommend it. It's so good. I just found it to be so profound. You know, there is a depth that comes to God's word when you hear someone teaching it who has lived the hard parts of it and come out on the other side. And that is definitely who Elizabeth Elliot was, but she has a whole teaching series on the Lord's Prayer. And in that teaching, she actually shared some of the conversations between her and God after Jim's death, some of the questions that she had, some of the places where she was doubting the Lord. She shared some of them in this talk. And Jim and Elizabeth had a daughter whose name was Valerie. And I believe, or is Valerie, she's still alive. And I think she was just two when her father uh, was murdered. And one particular thing that Elizabeth was you know, struggling with as she was processing Jim's death was why would God choose to take a wonderful, godly father away from his toddler daughter? Because at that time, like being two years old, Valerie would probably not have even remembered him. And and all of the, the accounts that we have of Jim Elliott's life indicate that he was a fairly spectacular man of God, like just 
all in and, and not without sin, but just like just a really awesome man of God. And so Elizabeth is struggling. Why would you want to take that away from our daughter? Why does she not get to be raised with that kind of father who would be so amazing? And, you know, I as I was listening to her, I thought to myself, you know, that seems like a reasonable question because I think I would have probably been a little bit upset about that too. If I had, you know, waited, there's a, there's a lot of the story there too, about how Jim, like the process that God took them through to even get to the altar of marriage. But if she had waited for so long, or if I had waited for so long for that husband, why would God just take him away? There's lots of great valid questions about that situation. But the answer that Elizabeth felt like God gave her in that situation was, and I'm just quoting exactly what she said here. She felt like God said to her, I am working on the bringing in of a kingdom. And I have a whole lot of other people in mind than just you and your fatherless child. And when she said that, I stopped the recording. And I thought, my goodness, wow. We think that that sounds harsh. And I did when I read it that, or when I was listening to it, I, that's why I stopped it. Cause I thought my word, that is harsh, but it's true. And it's a perspective shift, like realizing that we are such a small part of God's big grand plan. We're just one person in this big grand plan. And when we realize that, that God's big grand plan is not just all about us and how to make Brooks' dreams come true and how to make, you know, how to build Brooks' kingdom or Stacy's kingdom or, or, you know, Missy May's kingdom or whatever. When we realize that, it helps us to offer our hearts to him more freely. And it also helps us to be more okay with it when he says, wait, or when he says, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things I always appreciate about Elizabeth is that she always boils it down to what truly matters. Um, I, I love to read Elizabeth when I'm feeling particularly troubled or where I feel like I'm being treated unfairly. Like if I can go read her words, she just boils it down. Because what matters is his will and that it's best for us, especially we need to think of that when we wouldn't choose what he's chosen. Like when we think, oh, well, this is not what I would have chose on any given day. We need to remember that his will is ultimately best. It is. And it, it is really, I think we just need to acknowledge that this is easier to talk about than it is to live. And I think maybe that's why it's so important that the Elizabeth Elliots of the world do step forward and say, these are the real doubts and questions that I had. And this is the way God met me in it because it sounds easier to talk about than it is to live. And we recognize that we're talking about something or, or asking you to do something, asking ourselves to do something that in fact is quite difficult to do. When I get fussy with God over what I see as his lack of answer to my prayer, or maybe, maybe just not answering my prayer the way that I think is best, then it's generally because I'm caring more about my kingdom than I am his. And it's, it's a hard thing, more about having my will done than having his will done. And it, it's an indicator of a surrender issue in my own life that, you know, when we came to Christ, we said, 
I'm yours, Lord. Do with me what you will. But then sometimes when God begins to do with us what he will, we don't like it. And we press back and we say, no, I don't I don't want that. But another quote from Elizabeth Elliot in this particular recording or teaching that I listened to was, it has been my experience that when I pray thy will be done, it often involves the undoing of mine. And that's so true. That's been so true in my own life of 44 years. Like anytime I say to God, thy will be done, it's because I am in an undoing. He is undoing me. And there are different kinds of undoings, different seasons. I know you hate that word seasons, but there's different seasons of undoings. There are different ways that God undoes us, but it's always what's best for us. And I would just add to what Elizabeth said that being able to pray thy will be done to the Lord in the first place requires a level of trust in the idea that God is good no matter what. And again, if you didn't listen to last week's show where we talked about how to make peace when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want him to, this is your topic. This is like, these are all heart issues with why believers struggle in prayer. They're all good, good heart issues, not just why we struggle in prayer, but why we struggle in life. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. I, I think we're going to need to listen to this one more than once uh, or, or, you know, just schedule it every, every week. We need to go back to this, but I hope that you've enjoyed today's practical prayer punch as much as I have. We are answering your questions about prayer and you can find links to any of the resources we share today in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Thanks, Brooke. Oh, thank you, Stacey. I have really enjoyed this. Till next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. What does it mean to pass on the legacy of faith? And how can we help our children understand who Jesus is? Gather the family around this Christmas with a new children's book from best-selling author and my friend, Asherita Chuchu. Unwrapping the Names of Jesus for Kids is a beautifully illustrated and theologically rich retelling of the story of Jesus, our Good Shepherd, the Light of the World, King of Kings, and more. Foster a deeper wonder and love for Jesus in your children's hearts this holiday season. Pick up your copy of Unwrapping the Names of Jesus for Kids when you go to moodybooks.org. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. You can connect with other praying women by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or at the Million Praying Moms website where you'll find tools to guide you as a praying mom. And don't forget to download your free copy of my resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children. This quick read will have you praying God's Word for your family within the next couple of hours. Seriously, find all the links you need at MillionPrayingMoms.com. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.